Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Good morning. I, uh, I love that song. I just love that song. And one of the things that, uh, as we were singing it in the first service, that I was reminded of, um, when I was 19... Yes, I remember it. Um, I, I had gotten, I'll call it frustrated, with my dating life. And I surrendered it to God. And I just said, I'm not, I'm not going to date non-Christians anymore. Uh, I'm not going to date Christians who aren't really seeking the Lord. Um, and I made that commitment. There's a lady in our church who was uh, actually helped lead me to Jesus when I was 17. Um, her name's Linda Miller. And I went to Linda after I made that commitment and told her what I did. And I said to her then, I guess that means I'm going to be a monk. You know, so that was kind of my conclusion. <clears throat> it, it wasn't long after that that I met... I cry more than I used to. What is wrong with me? I met my wife, Kathy. She wasn't my wife then. I, I met the woman who would become my wife, Kathy. And um, one of the greatest blessings, if, if not the greatest earthly blessing in my life, has been that woman. She has been, she said I do to be my wife 40 years ago today. We've been married 40 years today um, all that means is you still need to pray for her more and uh, but I thank God for her and I I look back at that and I think the payoff for simply trusting Jesus because all I did was trust what his word said don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers I trusted his word I trusted him and he blessed and he wants to do that over and over again and so i want to take us to some scripture today if you have your bibles i'm going to ask you to open them to matthew chapter 24 we're going to jump around a lot to other scripture today but this is where i want to begin and matthew chapter 24 uh, and here's what i want to talk about today i want to talk about what it's like to follow christ when facing war because you cannot, you can't not move or breathe in our world today without coming face to face with what's going on, uh, what's been going on in the Ukraine, now what's going on in, in Israel. Um, and we, we, we need to know what, what does Jesus say? What does God's word say about how do we follow him in the face of this? Now, historians tell us that what we're about to read um, took place on the Tuesday before Jesus was crucified. Uh, that Jesus had been teaching in the temple and that he left the temple and went up to uh, the Mount of Olives. And um, in, in verse 3, it's not going to come up, but in verse 3, it says his disciples came to him there on the Mount of Olives and they began asking him, what will happen when the end comes? 
the end of time, basically. And Jesus, you know, kind of warns them that when anybody fool you. And then Jesus makes this statement. He says, you're going to hear the noise of battles close by and news of battles far away. Some translations say you'll hear of uh, wars and rumors of wars. You've probably heard it phrased that way. But then Jesus says, but do not be troubled. Such things, these things like wars, must happen. But they do not mean that the end has come. Drop down to verse 36 if you're looking. Verse 36 says, No one knows, however, when the day and the hour will come. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, only the Father. The Father alone knows. Verse 37, The coming of the Son of Man will be like what happened in the time of Noah. In the days before the flood, people ate and drank, men and women married, uh, up to the very day when Noah went into the boat. Yet they did not realize what was happening until the flood came and swept them all away. That is how it will be when the Son of Man comes. A few weeks later, just a few short weeks later, Jesus, um, well, let me back up. Friday came. That was Tuesday. Friday came. Jesus was crucified, buried. Three days later, he's raised from the dead. He spends 40 days with the disciples before he ascends. Shortly before he ascends, we find recorded in the book of Acts. So if you want to turn to Acts chapter 1, you can do that. Now remember, the disciples up there on the Mount of Olives were asking Jesus, tell us about the end times. In fact, they kind of asked it twice. That's why he had to give kind of the same answer again. But we get over to Acts chapter 1, just before Jesus is going to ascend, and they're still asking Jesus about end times things. And so uh, we read this in um, Acts chapter 1, verse 6. And it says, when the apostles got together uh, with Jesus, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time give the kingdom back to Israel? Are you going to establish your kingdom on earth, Jesus? And Jesus said to them, the times and the occasions are set by my Father's own authority. Basically, only the Father knows. He's already told them that. He says, but then he says this, and it is not for you to know. It's not for you to know when they will be when these times and, and dates will be. Do you know what the very next thing Jesus says is? So that was Acts 7. I mean, Acts chapter 1, verse 7. What comes after Acts chapter 1, verse 7? Verse 8. Many of you know Acts 1, 8, but you may not know you know it. Acts 1, 8 says, But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Judea, excuse me, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So here's what Jesus says in verse 7 and then verse 8. This prophecy stuff, the exact time and date, it's not for you to know. Let me tell you what's for you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and tell people about me. Your job, be filled with the Holy Spirit, not try to figure out the dates, don't run around looking for the secret codes, you know. Now, here's what, please don't hear me say this. I'm not telling you not to study biblical prophecy. It's okay. It's in the Bible for a reason. But it's in the Bible simply so that you ultimately know God wins. It's the end of the story. Jesus is coming back. He's going to set up his kingdom, but you're not going to know when. So be filled with the Holy Spirit and tell people about me. Okay? 
But how do we do that in the face of war? What does it look like to follow Jesus in the face of war? And I want to jump off with that passage that I read to you first, verse verse 6 of chapter 24, where Jesus says, you're going to hear wars and rumors of wars. They're, They're going to be around you. He said these things have to happen. That doesn't necessarily mean the end has come. Doesn't mean that it's here yet. But Jesus said war, we're going to have it. So how do we follow Jesus and face war? The Bible has a lot to say about it. Now, there are some of our brothers and sisters in Christ, you may be one, who are pacifists. And they they believe that there should never be war for any reason. Any reason whatsoever. I am not a pacifist. I love my pacifist brothers and sisters, but I'm not a pacifist. Um, I ascribe to what most Christians historically have ascribed to on this issue, and it's, it's called a just war theory. It has lots of shades to it, depending on who you talk to, but I, I, I ascribe to that. I hold to that. Now, just war theory would start with this statement. War is always, always, always horrific always should be avoided as much as it can but under certain very limited circumstances can be both biblically and morally justified in fact the bible has a lot to say about war because the bible was written during much of the bible was written during times of war and so there are many many battles hundreds of battles in fact that are chronicled in the scriptures the apostle paul under the inspiration of the holy spirit wrote to the church at rome about this issue and he said this in chapter 12 verse 18 of romans it says if it is possible as far as it depends on you follower of jesus as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone now that verse says we need to try to live at peace with everyone what that verse is also implies is you can't live at peace with everybody there are just going to be some people you will not be able to live at peace with Sometimes there's going to be war. In fact, the Bible tells us, if you go to Ecclesiastes 3, many of you are familiar with Ecclesiastes 3. It's that chapter that says, you know, there's a time for everything and a season for everything. And in verse 8, it tells us that there's a time for war and a time for peace. So the Bible addresses that, that sometimes the correct answer is war. There are some things worth fighting for. The book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34, saying, says, doing what is right makes a nation great. It doesn't say doing what's convenient. It doesn't say doing what's comfortable. It doesn't say doing what's politically correct. It says doing what's right is what makes a nation great. Now, you're going to be faced with this because this thing is not going to end tomorrow unless God directly intervenes, okay? And I... We need to be equipped to know how do we interact in the world as followers of Jesus, uh, to engage conversationally for the purpose of ultimately leading people to saving knowledge of Jesus. Okay, that's where, that's where we're heading. But we need to understand what does the Bible say uh, about, about war? And I'm going to give you five. These are not coming up. These weren't in the notes. This kind of happened yesterday. Uh, Kathy gave me permission to do this. Um, so I'm kidding. But... Um, I did talk to her about it, but I, I want to give you five things, five reasons that I see very quickly in the scriptures that point to uh, why 
you could go to war if it was necessary. And I'll, put these, I'll post these on Realm this week uh, so that you can have them in case you can't catch up with me. The first one is this, to preserve freedom. To preserve freedom, it's a biblical response to war. Secondly, is to defend the innocent, the innocent and helpless, to defend innocent people. Third, is to liberate the oppressed. When people are oppressed, when they're deprived of basic human, human rights, um, when they're being persecuted, uh, the Bible in, says you can go to war. Um, to stop the spread of evil is a reason to, to go to war. And to replace in, injustice with justice is a reason to go to war. And remember, doing what is right is what makes a nation great. Now, as followers of Jesus, we are called to seek peace all the time, even during times of war. Jesus told us in that great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, that peacemakers are blessed of God. Blessed are, are the peacemakers, Jesus said. So as Christians, we seek peace, but we also seek justice because God is both a God of peace and justice. Those things aren't separated. In fact, you cannot have true peace without justice. You can have appeasement, but you don't have true peace unless justice is is the rule of the day. So God says we need to seek both. I, I love the way that the message translates 1 John 3, 17. It says, if you see some brother or sister in need, have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears. And you made it disappear. If you have the ability to do something, when something needs to be done, when action is required and you don't do it, You've, you've caused the, the, the love and grace of God to kind of disappear in that moment. See, sometimes love demands action. Sometimes love, that action has to be forced. And Jesus says, if you see somebody hurting in this world and don't do anything about it, it's wrong. I love what John Stuart Mill said on this topic. He said, war is an ugly thing, but it's not the ugliest thing. The ugliest thing is the decayed and degrading state of moral feelings which thinks that nothing is worth a war. That's worse. A man who has nothing for which he will fight, nothing for which he cares about more than his own personal safety, is a miserable creature who has no chance of ever being free. Jesus said in Luke 12, 48, that to whom much is given, much more is required, and that the responsibility is even greater. And we've talked about this principle around here lots of times, that we, if you have a blessing from God, it wasn't just for you. you you're blessed to bless. And friends, no nation on the earth has been more blessed than our nation. So we have a greater responsibility to bless others, to provide help and care to whom much is given, much more is required. We have a greater responsibility than other nations in the world. James, Jesus' half-brother, wrote these words, anyone who knows the right thing to do but does not do it is what? Sinning. You know, there's sin of commission where you just set out the sin. You know, there have been days I've done that, I'm just telling you. But then there's sin of omission where you stand back and do nothing. You just don't do anything. You don't participate. You watch evil take place and do nothing. The Bible says it's wrong and it's sin. God says if you know the right thing to do and don't do it, you're kind of stuck in sin. If you've been blessed, bless. 
the more blessed you are, the more responsible you are to, to help others. So today, here's what I want us to spend the rest of our time really focused on. And that is on doing the one thing that we can always do. And quite frankly, it is the most powerful thing we can do, is pray. As God's people, we need to pray. I'm not talking about that just being the answer to the question that you get it right. Yes, we'll pray. I'm talking about really praying. And so we're going to pause throughout our time together, and we're going to, to pray. And we need to do that. And I want us to kind of get focused first. And so I want to give you some principles as we walk through this. And here's the first one. When, when we face war, when followers of Jesus come face to face with war, the first thing we need to do is our focus needs to be on God. It doesn't need to be on the evil in the world. It doesn't need to be on the enemy that we can see. Our focus needs to be on God. It's where you start because God is greater than any evil or any enemy. He, he, he's greater. God's greater than any of these. And when you focus on God, you're focusing on something greater than the calamity that you're watching. And he has an ability to calm our hearts in the face of this. It gives us a different kind of focus. Psalms 27 says this, The Lord is my light and the one who saves me. I fear no one. The Lord protects my life. I'm afraid of no one. Evil people may try to destroy my body, my enemies, and, and those who hate me attack me. But they are overwhelmed and defeated. If an army surrounds me, I will not be afraid. If war breaks out, I will trust in the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. Are, are you trusting in the Lord? See, when... Whenever there's anxiety flowing through your body, whenever there's anxiousness and, 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 and worry and fear, you got to change your focus. you got to realign your focus. you gotta, you got to focus on God. You can focus on the enemy. You can focus on the evil, or, or you can focus on God. And, and, and God's Word says he's the one worthy of our trust because he'll never fail us. One of the things that the Scriptures do that I love, especially the Psalms, is it gives us these beautiful word pictures of what it looks like for, what life looks like for those who trust God. Psalm 71 is a great one. In Psalm 71, we read that God can be our refuge. He can be our refuge. It says that God can be your rock. God can be your fortress. God can be your, your hope. Aren't those beautiful word pictures? In Psalm 59, the Bible says that God can be your defense. He wants to be. Another great psalm for this is Psalm 91. Psalm 91 says this, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. We're not going to take the time to turn there. You can do this later. You can look at this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. But in the Old Testament, there was a time, one of many times, when God's people were being surrounded by an enemy. Uh, at this moment, uh, Jehoshaphat was king of Israel, and they came and told him, the army's surrounding us. And Jehoshaphat goes to the Lord in prayer. And it is a passionate, beautiful prayer. 
And it drew the heart of the nation to God. They trusted in the Lord, and they got to see God do incredible, mighty things. They had hope restored. Now, some of you have been, like me, watching the news, wanting to keep up with what's going on, and there's a way to do that so that you can be prayerfully informed and, and pray into events. And I think that's a good thing to do. But if you turn on the TV with some sense that you're going to find hope, hope is not found on CNN. And hope is not found on FOX either. I don't care which alphabet you're using. Hope is not going to be found on any of those places. Hope is going to be found in Christ alone. In the word of God. And so we've got to make, we've got to make a focused space in our lives in order to face this. And so I want us to take some time today to pray. But we've got to start with our own hearts. We've got to start by asking the question, am, is my heart focused on God? Am I asking him to, to help me? Do I see him as greater than, than anyone or anything else. And I just want you to stop right now. And whatever position best helps you pray, if it's bowing, if it's raising your hands, I just want you to get focused on, on God for just a moment and ask God this question, God, am I focused on you? Let's pray together. Jesus told us to pray to our Father. Talk to God as your Father. Tell him that you know you're weak. Tell him that you need him. Tell him that you still struggle with sin. Just tell him you need him. Turn your heart to God. Now would you tell God that you want to see his greatness? You want to see his greatness so you can be set free from anxiety or worry. We just ask God right now to even... Open your eyes to see the needs of others around you in this season so that you can be light to them. Would you ask Jesus to help you recall his words that, that say, don't let your hearts be troubled. And come unto me, all who are heavy hearted and weighed down by the cares of the world. And would you tell Jesus that you long to trust him? And would you ask him to increase your faith? Jesus, we come wanting to focus on you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we come. It's in your name we pray. Amen. A second thing that we can do in the face of war 
is we can pray for world leaders. We need to pray for, for, for leaders, including our own in our nation. We need to do that. Now, most, most all of you here, in some capacity or other, lead something or have led something. I mean, if you're a parent, you know, you lead your kids. If you're an employee who has maybe some coworkers that work kind of under your direction, you're, you're, you're leading there. And so everybody in here has some, what I'm going to call, leadership implications in their lives. It's at some, at some level, you know. But let me say this. As impactful as some of your leadership decisions may be, like on your kid's life and those kinds of things, I don't think any compare to the complexity and kind of the what's at stake as global leaders are faced with right now. Peace is at stake. Lives are at stake. Parts of the world are, are, are at stake. I, don't, I, I try to imagine what it would be like to sit kind of in a room with some global leaders and their advisors and, I, and, and think about what could I add to the discussion. I have nothing. I, I don't want to be put in a room like that. I, I just don't. I, I don't have that kind of wisdom to, to, to think about what it would be like to be asking questions. Is this worth sending the lives and risking the lives of our young soldiers over? I don't, I don't want to be in that position. And that is why the Bible tells the people of God to pray for those in leadership. Paul wrote to Timothy. And he said, Timothy, you may not have the ability to make decisions like this, but Timothy, pray. And he said this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, um, in verse 2. He said, pray in this way for kings. Now, that's plural. And, it, and he goes on to say for all others. Now, if you need to know what this way is, go back and read verse 1 later on today. But verse 2, he says you need to pray in this way for kings. That means all, uh, all others who are in authority over us or are in places of high responsibility now again that that's expansive um he's saying pray about decisions that they're going to make and so we want to take some time to pray for for leaders in our country and you say well why do we pray for leaders look at the rest of what verse 2 says so that we can live in peace and quietness spending our time in godly living and thinking much about the lord so we can do this so we can worship together there are places in this world you can't but we need to pray for leaders so people can do this, that we can think about the Lord, that we can serve him in quietness and living. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, without wise leadership, a nation is in trouble. Proverbs 28, 4 says, those who reject the law praise the wicked, but those who keep the law battle against them. We're talking about the law of God. Again, thinking about these decisions, the depth and weight that they're, they're, they're carrying, you know, we turn on the TV and we see people on both sides of the issue protesting in the streets about what's going on over in Israel right now. People of God, we don't need to, you know, hit the streets and protest. We need to hit our knees in prayer. We need to pray for leaders. And so I've invited Dean Enfinger to come and lead us to pray for global leaders, and I think I left the microphone down there if you would grab it, um, and the decisions that they're facing. Dean, lead us, brother.
Absolutely. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you that you are the good Father. Lord, that nothing is impossible for you. Lord, that you are sovereign, that you are the one who appoints leaders and you are the one who removes leaders. So, Father, I pray for the leaders of our nation. And I pray for the leaders of nations around the globe. Father, that they would align and support and protect Israel, your, your chosen people. That they would come against the atrocities that are being committed. Father, I pray for the leadership in Israel. Lord, for the task at hand for them to move forward in battle, to rescue their people. Father, give them great wisdom, great leadership as they walk that path. And Father, lastly, I, I pray for those we'd consider the enemy for Iran and for the leaders of Hamas. Father, I pray for conviction on the leaders. Lord, to end the atrocities and holding people captive. Father, that you would raise up good leadership and remove evil leadership in those areas. Lord, and those good leaders would come to know you, the one true God, the good Father. Lord, that they would trust you as their Savior and that those that they are leading would follow suit. Nothing is more important and knowing you. In Jesus' name, amen. One other area that we can engage in is this. In the face of war, we can pray for those fighting to fight for a just cause. To fight for a just cause or to lay their weapons down. The, the Bible has a lot to say about this issue of God using ruling powers, governments, to accomplish his purposes on the earth. Romans 13 has a lot to say about this. Uh, Romans 13, verse 3 tells us this. It says, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. If you want to be free from fear of the one in authority, then do what is right, and he will commend you. Now, I, I meant to have given you verse 4 also. I failed to do that. But verse 4 goes on to say, for rulers are God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for they do not bear the sword for nothing. They are God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. And so these governments and these ruling authorities, those uh, I, I would say that that includes the armed forces that they represent, that governments send out. That's God's servant working for your good. And Friends, the Bible tells us that governments are given power, they're given the sword as an avenger to execute the anger of God on anyone. And what that means is they're given the right to carry out a sentence of death if that's necessary. It's hard, but it's in the scriptures. You, you read it. It's not just Old Testament stuff, it's New Testament stuff. In the Old Testament, however, we see a moment when God's people were had been called by God to go to battle, 
They, they go at it in a just way. Look at this, Second uh, uh, Samuel chapter 10, verse 12. Be courageous. Let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. Then they say this, may the Lord's will be done. Who taught us to pray for God's will to be done? Jesus did. Pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. Now, I, I want us to do that right now. For those that are in battle, for those who are about to go into battle, uh, and not just in Israel, but around the world, um, wars are, are taking place all the time. But I'm, I want us to pray that those who are, who are taking up arms would only take them up for a just cause, to protect the innocent and the weak and the helpless. And I want to invite up uh, one of the soldiers among us, one of our elders, Lieutenant Colonel James Dangerfield, uh, to come, if you would, James, and to lead us in praying for those who are having to take up arms right now to do it for a just cause and to also pray for our own military and their families because they're being heightened alert, as you well know, and, and being mobilized in places. So, so lead us to pray for this, Thank brother. You, Thank you. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day you have created, Lord. Lord, we need you more than ever in this day of turmoil in our world. Lord, there's so much crazy stuff going on right now. Lord, we, uh, we do pray for this just war that when it happens, Lord, it has your hand on it, Lord. We, uh, we know a great example in the past, Lord, in our, our past of our country with World War II and the just war that we had with the Axis powers, Lord, as they were... Uh, killing Jews and taking over countries, Lord, we, we thank you and praise you for helping us to make it through World War II and to actually be your hand and help uh, accomplish your will, Lord. Lord, we also pray for Israel and we pray for Ukraine, Lord. These countries have been attacked also, Lord. We pray that you would guide their service members, Lord, and protect them as they go into battle, Lord. And Lord, we ask you to just put your wonderful miracle hand on them and protect them and their families. Lord, we also have hostages of our own country, Americans, Lord, that are being held by the enemy, Lord. We pray that you would help them to be rescued, and we pray that our service members that are involved, that you would protect them as they do your will. Lord, we also pray for the enemy, Lord. We pray that you would bring them to Christ, that they would bend the knee and praise your holy name, Lord, and know that Jesus is king of all. Lord, we thank you for our leaders who lead the military, and we ask you to guide them also, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, James. Thank you, brother. Another area that yeah, I would encourage us to pray for, you know, it's, it's easy to focus our prayers on us. Um, it's a natural thing to, you know, to kind of focus our prayer lives on, on me and mine and, and those kinds of things. But Jesus called us to be supernatural not just natural he called us to to as our leader and lord i dare say as our commander in chief he always encouraged his followers to pray for god's grace even on those we perceive to be our our enemies that his grace would come to them to think about others and so um in the face of war we need to pray for the innocent and the helpless uh, victims and prisoners, even those that we perceive to be our enemies. We need to pray for innocent civilians. We need to pray for victims 
in the conflict. And I don't, I don't know if you've thought about it like this, but um, just to bring down the size of the world a, a little bit, if, if my math is correct, the Gaza Strip is, is only seven time zones away from us. That makes the world sound smaller, doesn't it? Only seven time zones away from us. It's a little strip of land, they tell me, that's about 25 miles long, six to eight miles wide in places, and about 2.2 about million people live in that little bit of, uh, of land. And friends, we have Christian brothers and sisters who have made their homes there. We, you know that there are Christian Palestinians, okay? There, there, there just are. And we need to have a heart for them, but also a heart for the non-Christian Palestinians. So many of them are simply victims of this terrorist regime that, that's there. And they have children, and they have hopes and dreams, and they have families, and they have loved ones. They have people in their lives who are sick and going through cancer treatment, just like, just like we do. And we need to pray for the, 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 the mercy of God to fall on hundreds of thousands of, of these innocent bystanders to this whole conflict. Uh, that's, that's on the heart of God. Listen, listen to the heart of God that I, 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 I would say that he would want in our heart. Psalm 82 says to defend the weak and the orphans. Defend the rights of the poor and suffering. Save the weak and helpless. Then it says this, free them from the power of the wicked. There ought to be some part of that that resonates with your heart if the Lord lives in you, that we would desire the, the kind of freedom that we have right here to do this, that we would desire that for others, that we would be champions who would defend the weak, that we would take up the cause of those who are suffering at the hands of, of terrorist regimes. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 5 says this, evil people must be removed before anyone can rule with justice we need to pray for that to to happen in the gaza strip right now I, now I'm, I'm sure you've seen image after image uh, this week of tanks and uh, armored personnel vehicles and bombs exploding and uh, soldiers lining up on the you know on the borders the suffering that's going on in israel and in gaza god's word says in proverbs 21 that justice is a joy and we need to pray that justice will come to the innocent and the helpless the victims the civilians we need to pray that justice will come so that they might have joy and I'm gonna ask you in the moments that we pray next that you try to remove from your minds I instruments of war and see people See mothers holding children. See the faces of children. See people who are helpless victims in this. See them as God sees them so that we can pray for them. I, I love Cindy's heart for hurting people. So I've asked our sister Cindy Shirley to come and lead us in a, as we pray for those who are helpless, those who are facing trauma right now that is unimaginable. Cindy, if you would, lead us. Will you pray with me? Lord God, 
We pray for all of the individual and innocent lives of people who are living in the midst of this war in Israel and Gaza. Lord, please be with each person and provide, provide for all of their needs. We cry out and ask you, Lord, to let there be no more bloodshed, no more lives lost in this battle. We know your heart breaks for every person who is in Israel and Gaza right now. Lord, and our hearts are also broken for them. We know you are brokenhearted for those who have been killed and their families who are enduring so much and are grieving such horrific loss at the same time as having to live in the midst of this ongoing struggle. Please, Lord, we ask you to comfort them, to let your peace wash over them, even in the midst of their pain and suffering. We ask you, Lord, to provide for their every need and to bless them in ways they know that only you, Lord, could have provided. Lord, we pray for those who have been injured and are suffering pain even now. Please provide healing. Please reveal yourself as the great physician and the great healer. Provide the medical treatment that's necessary and relieve their pain. We pray for the elderly who have yet again watched destruction in their homeland. We pray for their hearts to be comforted and their homes to be made secure. We pray for assistance for them if they have to flee. And we ask you, Lord, to provide safe passage to a place where they can find shelter. We pray for all of the children who have suffered during these past several days. We pray for those who have seen their parents killed or injured who have been separated from their families or who have faced injury themselves. Oh, Lord God, please comfort them and heal them physically and emotionally. Provide for all of their needs and where possible, where separation from family has occurred, please reunite them with their families. Lord, we pray for those who have been abducted and taken someplace where they are not safe. Please, Lord, protect them, provide for them, and free them. Send help, send relief. Let them feel the comfort of your love, and please, Lord, let them be reunited with their loved ones. Lord, we pray for every family that is caught up in the middle of the devastation and destruction in their community and are desperate for safety. You are their safe tower and their shelter. Let them know your presence and your peace. Please, Lord, bring them safely through this crisis and restore safety for them in their hearts and in their homes. Lord, speak to people individually, revealing your love for them and drawing them to you in their suffering. We also pray for those in different parts of this world who have lost loved ones or do not know if their family members are safe. Let your peace and love wash over them answer their cries for help, and bring them and their loved ones back together safely again. Lord, you know each person and every need they have. Please, Lord, let them know your presence in each need they face. Let them know your comfort in every tear they cry. Reveal yourself as everything they need, both now and as they heal from the trauma they are now enduring. Please bring healing they need even now. Heal them now and in the weeks to come. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
one more group that I want us to take time to pray for, and I don't, I don't know if you spend a lot of time thinking about this, but um, in, in these places where war is raging, uh, we, and when I say we, I'm talking about our church, have missionaries that we support in the field who are there. They're currently in, uh, in the midst of this. Some of them have been moved to safe houses and places to provide safety, but they are, they are in places like Israel and in the Middle East and Palestine. Um, so many of our missionaries serve in places where the governments are hostile to them, don't want them there, don't want the gospel to come, and, and yet they go. Some of them go with hearts that are heavy to serve in these places of darkness to bring the light of Christ. So we want to pray for them, not just now, but especially now. Um, I want to encourage you, if you have not found a missionary to adopt in prayer, uh, I would encourage you to do that. Maybe a global missionary and a, a national missionary to, to just begin praying for because that's something they, they will tell you they covet. Friends, they're part of the body of Christ. They're, they're part of our body, and, and they need uh, our prayers. We also need to pray for relief workers, those who are on the ground, some ready to go in, some in the middle of the mess right now, who are trying to provide aid, food, clothing, water, basic, you know, essentials for life, medical uh, care, and are others standing by to go in immediately. We need to pray that they would be able to display the compassion of Christ in the middle of this, of this mess, that their voices would, would speak, speak Jesus to people, that they, they would be able to do that. One of the things that I want us to do is pray on their behalf that God would fill them the Apostle Paul, when uh, he was on his missionary journeys, one of the things he would do is write to the churches that he had helped plan or had impacted, and he would ask them to pray for him as a missionary. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, he, he asked for this. He said, there is a wide open door for me to preach and teach here. So much is happening, but there are many enemies. Our missionaries... Our relief workers face many enemies. Now, I have asked uh, Jan and, and Calvin Mims, members of our church, I'm going to ask you to come on up. Uh, Jan and Calvin, uh, their daughter and son-in-law and grandchildren are in the Middle East, very close to this mess. And I don't know of anybody... Uh, who is able to, in a real-time kind of way, pray for, uh, lead us to pray for our missionaries and relief workers in those places than parents and grandparents of missionaries. So um, lead us now as we pray. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this time we can come and worship you together, Lord. And Lord, now we just thank you that you are King of Kings, Lord, and you are Lord of Lords, and Lord, you are in control of every aspect of our lives. Lord, we thank you for our love and the mercy that you show us each and every day. Lord, now we pray for all the missionaries all over the world, Lord, especially all of those whose lives are in danger. Lord, bless them, and may you be honored in every part of their lives, Lord, their speech, their work, 
as they minister to others. Lord, please guide them and lead them, fill them with your spirit. Give them wisdom in all their decisions. Bless their leaders as they work together to glorify you. Lord, please open their eyes to all their opportunities to minister and share the gospel to all those around them. Please protect them with your loving arms, Lord. Bless all their families back home and give them your peace. Lord, we also pray for the many relief workers, especially in war-torn areas. Please watch over them and protect them as they help those who are hurting and grieving. Lord, please guide their efforts as they bring physical support and care for those people. Be with them, Lord, and their leaders. Give them the physical strength they need to endure. Lord, as they bring food and water and clothing and other essentials to suffering people. Lord, please be with those who are helping rebuild homes and businesses. Bless them with their physical and emotional and spiritual strength. We thank you for all these caring and loving people, Lord. Please help them to constantly seek your face in all they do. Lord, above all, we thank you for shedding your blood on Calvary for us, for taking all our sins upon yourself. Lord, we thank you for an empty tomb promising eternal life for all who believe in you. Lord, help us to share this love with others every day. We give you all praise, honor, and glory. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lowe, so much. Thank you. God bless you. One of the things that uh, when I was speaking with Jan that she shared with me, uh, they've been in contact with their family recently, I mean, very recently, and have spoken with them. And uh, one of the things they shared was that uh, they are, they're not asking so much prayer for themselves as they're asking for prayer for those who have lost family members, friends of theirs that they have come to know and love uh, in, this, in this land. And that's the heart of so many of our missionaries. Um, so just, just keep, them, uh, keep them prayed for and, and, and prayed up, um, if you would. Uh, we, uh, I want to lead us to one more thing that we can pray for in the, in the face of war. You know, wars, wars are unpredictable. They're uncontrollable. Um, we have no idea how long things will last. We don't know what the consequences are ultimately going to end up being. But there are, there are a few things that we can know. Right now, in this moment, we can know. We can know that God is in control. God is in control. We looked at this last week. We can know that God is at work in all things. God is working in this mess. He, he is there, and he is working. And we can know that our God loves to bring good out of bad. Now, every now and then, I can figure out how to bring good out of good. I can't figure out how to bring good out of bad. God can. And so we need to continue to, to turn to him because it's possible for, for God to bring good out of bad. Now, somebody might say, what kind of good could possibly come out of this? People who don't know God, who are far from him, could come to know him through his son Jesus. And we need to pray for that. And so one last thing that I would encourage you to, to be in, in prayer for flows out of a passage uh, in Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17 says this, 
For one, from one man, he being God, created all the nations throughout the whole earth. And he decided beforehand uh, when they should rise and fall, and he determined boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps find or feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. You know, the number one thing that we need to be praying for, I think, in the middle of all of this is for revival and spiritual awakening. This book tells us that all of human history is headed for a climax. That there's a coming day when all of our earthly powers and all of our earthly economics and all of our earthly politics, all those things are going to go away. And that the only thing that ultimately will matter is do you have a relationship with God? Do you know the God of the universe because you came to know him through his son? That's the only thing that's going to matter in this world. And we need to be praying that God would revive his church globally to be about that, about telling people about Jesus, and that God would bring a supernatural spiritual awakening on our planet in places like Israel and the Gaza Strip and, and in Ukraine and in, and in Russia, that we, we would become those people, that God would revive us. See, God, God loves Israelis, and God loves Palestinians, and God loves Ukrainians, and God loves Russians, and God loves Americans. God, God loves people from every tribe and tongue and nation. They all matter to him. Jesus came to earth to proclaim the good news that the kingdom is available to everyone who would come. And God wants everyone to know him, to, to experience the peace of God. But friends, in order to, you know, there's three kinds of peace in the world. There is the peace of God, there is peace with God, and there's peace with one another. The only way that there's ever going to be complete peace between human beings is when the Prince of Peace reigns in every human heart. That's the only time that's going to happen. Until then, we can live with the peace of God if we have peace with God. But you cannot have the peace of God until you have made peace with God. And God has said the only way that happens is through His Son, Jesus. Through a personal relationship with Jesus. And so, friends, if your soul continues to stay in a state of turmoil, maybe, just maybe, it's because you're still at war with God. And God wants you to make peace with him through his son. Just simply trust him. Know that you can prove him more and more. Jesus, will you put your trust in him? Because when you do, if you do, one of the things that you will be able to experience, and I'm going to ask our praise team to begin making their way back to the stage if they haven't already. One of the things that you can do is you, you, could, you could live with a soul that is at peace with God. You can live with a soul that knows that even though the world is in a mess in the midst of the storm, through all of it, your soul can be well. And we want to close our service today proclaiming that to ourselves because we need to hear that. 
We need to experience that, that it can be well with our souls in a broken, messed up world. So will you sing it for your neighbor? Will you sing it for yourself so that our souls can leave here filled? Let me pray. Father God, we come. We come to you because there's no other place to go where our souls can be made well, where our souls can find healing from a hopeless world and can find hope in you. We come to you, Lord, to experience wholeness, wellness in our souls. We come trusting you, simply trusting you, Jesus. Lead us now. It's in your name we pray. Amen.